0: When I was a uh, similarly 14-year-old magician who was potentially, I'm going to admit, not very popular.
1: Hi, and welcome to Meet Your Heroes. I'm Audrey. And I'm Elliot. And this is the show where we ignore the very good conventional wisdom to never meet your heroes and instead, get up close and personal with the lesser-known legacies and real-life bad behavior of some of history's most notable and beloved people. Happy New Year.
0: Happy New Year. Here's to 2022 being better than hopefully any of the years beforehand and not just a continuation of this ongoing nightmare.
1: Are you speaking about any years in particular, any like 1976, better than 76, better than 89, just better than all the years?
0: pretty bad as well. Um, But yeah, just in general, just all of them, really. Just want an upward
1: trajectory in terms of quality of year. I feel like that's the best you can hope for, really. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's aspirational. Uh, I feel like a more reasonable thing to hope for is just not to get worse.
0: Yeah, well, good luck with that. Good luck.
1: Well, we are in 2022. The yes. holiday season is over.
0: Oh, oh no. Oh no, it is not. No, we have we have hit the 12 days of Christmas, I'm pretty sure at this point, right?
1: It's past and it. Yeah. Yeah. We hit 12th night on the 6th.
0: Yep, and and 12th night mm-hmm. is well, one traditionally like the the day, the Epiphany day, right? Mm-hmm. Or not? No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they do the the wise men show up, but also, well, which by the way, took them a lot longer. They were not there at the manger scene. Like, let's be clear about that. They were in that barn for a while, but also, it's the start of the Mardi Gras season.
1: There we go. I guess that that is the central holiday in your life.
0: Happy King Cake season, everybody. Although, sadly, sadly, a marked lack of king cakes in our life to this point. we got to work on that.
1: We don't have king cake, but what we do have is the spirit of Mardi Gras. We did not take down our Christmas tree yet, but... No, we did not. We did get Mardi Gras decorations for the tree instead of <laughs> Christmas yes. decorations.
0: Replace the Christmas lights with purple lights and uh, get the get the crawfish with their outfits in the <laughs> yeah. tree.
1: And found little ornaments. That is not...
0: That is not a joke. That's yeah. literally what we have, little crawfish <laughs> ornaments in their Mardi Gras getup.
1: This is true. This is true. So um, we can take a picture of that and I'll put it on Instagram. Folks can see what uh, a Mardi Gras tree looks like if they're not from New Orleans.
0: Yes. Although I got to say, I don't know how widespread this is versus how lazy my family
1: was. So um, It's widespread. It's widespread. Okay. Basically okay, everyone good, good, good. I know in New Orleans at this point just has fallen into the trap of a Mardi Gras tree.
0: Yeah. It's like, do you really want to start the new year off with work? No. You don't want to take the decorations down too early, but yeah, it's, it's a great way to just ease your way into the new year. I love it. Yeah, I love
1: it. It's festive. It's shiny. It mm-hmm. uh, embodies a, a sort of chaotic energy that you don't get most places.
0: Speaking of festive, shiny, and chaotic energy, <laughs> oh, what? what a
1: segue. <laughs> what? We, have,
0: we have a hero that is most certainly, most certainly all of those things.
1: I can't wait. I am actually very excited about this episode.
0: Yes. Uh, This week's hero is none other than Liberace. Audrey, what do you know about Liberace?
1: Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Except, you know what? I don't know that I could even pick him out of a lineup. I think I could pick his clothes out of a lineup.
0: So Liberace is one of those people where even though he was really ex- like extremely famous mm-hmm. back in the 50s, um, a lot of people today probably wouldn't recognize his face. But his cultural reference point is like so distinctive yes. that even if you haven't seen him or know who he is, you know this cliche of the man in like the glittery, shiny jacket mm-hmm. with a candelabra on his piano. Like that idea of the super over-the-top flashy lounge singer type dude Mm -hmm. who is just incredibly flamboyant and uh, playing at this, you know, in this glitzy way, that is Liberace's contribution to the collective unconscious. Yeah, it worked out relatively well for him, despite the fact that he was, let's say, not everything that met the eye.
1: Okay, I, sure. And there's a lot to meet the eye. So
0: there is a lot of eye meeting. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot, a lot to meet the eye here. Without further ado, let's dive in. Wądzu, Valentino Liberace. Spell that. So it is Polish. Sure. It is W L with the little line through it. Okay. A D Z I U. How do I you... don't know what that L character is called. Me either. How did you
1: figure out how to pronounce it?
0: Wikipedia. Okay. There, luckily, they've so there's the phonetic alphabet, which mm-hmm. is like what you see in dictionaries, and luckily they've added just like a phonetic spelling in normal letters behind that because okay. <laughs> I still cannot read the phonetic pronunciations. Sure. But I, but the phonetic pronunciation is spelled V W V W A H voa J O O ju voaju Valentino Liberace. Great. He is born on May sixteenth, nineteen nineteen.
1: Whoa, coming out of World War Two or World War I.
0: Dark time, shining light, born out of this world. But as you know, that means it is time for Elliot's geology corner.
1: <laughs>
0: Fan favorite can't keep <laughs> keep it from the people.
1: I don't think we've done a May birthday yet. What is it like, peridot or something?
0: I don't even know what peridot is. Oh, it's a type of no, stone. No, if you were born on May sixteenth. Your birth gemstone is an emerald. Oh, one of my favorites. I love emeralds. Yes, it's a variety of the mineral beryl, mm-hmm. colored green by trace amounts of chromium and sometimes vanadium.
1: Wow! Not copper.
0: Not copper. No. Okay. Uh, that is one of the other green ones, but this mm-hmm. not this one. Okay. This is much more transparent, uh, translucent. Yeah. One of the big four gemstones. The word emerald is derived from the old French, "esmeraude." And Middle English, emerald, Mm. uh, which was a variant of the ancient Greek, smaragdos, which means green gem, (laughs) which is pretty (gasps) self-explanatory. Sounds good. So this little emerald baby, Vojju, is born with an identical twin. Oh, wow. Who dies at birth. Oh, no. Uh, His family's pretty broken up about that.
1: Yeah, rightfully so.
0: At the time, Liberace doesn't say anything that suggests he's sad, <laughs> but I'm sure on some level
1: uh, has a, a feeling of loss, potentially. Sure. There's like a little imprint, like a core imprinting experience. He is known as Lee to
0: his friends, Walter to his family, which is like the Anglicization of the flaju. Where um, was he born?
1: You said he's Polish. Is he Was he actually born in Poland? Like, no, it, Italy, I feel like Liberace screams like Italian.
0: Yes. So his father is Italian, hence the family name. Sure. His mother is Polish, but he is mm. born in Wisconsin.
1: Oh, wow. Would not have expected that. OK. Uh,
0: yes. His parents are immigrants. His mm-hmm. father um was a factory worker or a laborer, but sure. also played the French horn in bands and in movie theaters. And in movie um, theaters, you
1: just take your fucking French horn into the theater.
0: (laughs) Not invited. This
1: soundtrack isn't good enough. Just to add to the
0: (laughs) ambiance. No, he was, he was hired for gigs like that, right? Because you're talking about silent films at that point. Usually it's piano accompaniment, but apparently sometimes French horn accompaniment. Why not? Why not?
1: Yeah. Be very Um, avant-garde. In fact, you know what? This is very good advice for 2022. Be avant-garde. Take your French horn to the theater. Modern times. Who gives a shit if they're talking? It's really Explain
0: yourself to no one. No one. That Just is, start playing. Do you? So in this family, Liberace had three surviving siblings. He did have a, a brother, George, who's a violinist, a sister, Angelina, a younger brother, Rudy. Um, his dad was super into music, but he was also a classical music purist. Mm. So he was not into all of this, you know, new fangled swing. J- swing and jazz that was starting to come yeah. up in the next few years. Um All the kids played musical instruments. Liberace started playing the piano at the age of four. And one of the things that's immediately apparent is that he really loves it and has a gift.
1: Okay, we're hitting the prodigy trifecta here. You have a parent, remember this from Mozart, you have a parent who really wants you to do something, really has the same Mm -hmm. passion as you, really wants something from you. You Uh have a talent, like a, a natural inclination, and you like doing it. And so you just do it all the time. That's that's the prodigy trifecta.
0: Yes, because I think a lot of people have this mistaken impression that prodigies are just born with this insane thing. But you got to think about it, right? Like the four-year-old Tim doesn't know how to play piano. Right. What it is is if you find something that you have support for, or Uh, you know, pressure for in your family and you enjoy it, Mm -hmm. you end up putting in the work because of those two contributing factors. And you just like get your, you know, 10,000 hours of practice, whatever it's going to be just way earlier in life. And just, it keeps compounding from there.
1: Yeah. That's why you're a
0: world-class basketball player. Exactly. Exactly. I may only be 5'2", but... The fact that I have a five-foot vertical is because I loved it and practiced every single day. There you go. It was hard to say no to the NBA, but I just didn't want that life, you know? You
1: don't. You want a simpler life. You want to you wanna actually have to work for your notoriety by putting out yeah, a weekly podcast.
0: How satisfying would it be if I had just made my $50 million right. and, and avoided contributing this good work of this right. podcast into
1: the world? All you have to do is do your work, take your money... <laughs> Shut up. Just don't say anything publicly. If you if you have a payday that big, shut the fuck up. Just you wouldn't yeah. be doing this. I would not allow it. Don't don't give me
0: any opinions on anything else.
1: Nope. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. But
0: Liberace, he's four. He's He did have a five foot vertical. Okay. And Or the equivalent in piano terms. Uh, He started playing. By the age of seven, he was memorizing really difficult um, classical pieces. One of the things that you'll see in his performances is that he almost always plays just from memory. never has music or anything like that. Mm. Despite his excellence and early uh, dedication, other parts of his life didn't go so smoothly. So he did suffer from a speech impediment. Oh. And uh, he was teased pretty mercilessly about that, but also as he became older, he was teased by his classmates for being different in other ways. So he disliked sports and outdoor activities. Uh, He once was quoted saying, it wasn't that I had anything against the games. It was just that you got dirty playing them, Sure, (laughs) which starts to explain why he was teased. (laughs) He also... Much preferred uh, cleaner domestic pursuits such as cooking and sewing, and started getting teased uh, by being called a mama's boy and a sissy. And when he was about ten, he noticed that he started having crushes on his male teachers. And his family was very conservative Catholic Polish Catholic. Sure. When he notices about himself, he became racked with guilt. Of course. He questioned his sanity. Um, it became a very dark thing for him and so he began looking for ways to try to feel like he fit in
1: maybe get Um, dirty my man maybe just like (laughs) like let your sneakers get scuffed uh once try it give it a whirl yeah just
0: give it a whirl Maybe he yeah. did. Maybe didn't like it's, it. Who it's knows? a real
1: play the gay away scenario here. So you're not praying. <laughs> <laughs> you're just actually joining the kickball team. <laughs> Which, if you're it. a lesbian, is the opposite of what you want to do.
0: Also, fast track to acceptance, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, but Liberace starts to try to like build on these strengths... And uh, use them to like find some way to just feel more sense of belonging socially. So he was starting to play in theaters and in local radio. Uh, He played for dance classes and stuff, his odd jobs. But then the depression hits in Mm. the 30s. Mm. He's like a teenager, like 14. And one thing he discovered was that he could use his musical ability to keep playing these gigs, but if he played where his friends were, or at least his peers, he could start to gain some acceptance. Sure. So he was invited to like birthday parties, and he would play popular music, and he could earn some money for the family, and his friends would be like, oh, you're the fun music guy, as opposed to you're the boy who likes to sew and not play kickball. Right? (laughs) Sure. And uh, he much preferred that role. So he would play and... He actually started to get to leave his middle school early uh, in order to play at high school dances in the afternoon. And that was like, as you can imagine, as somebody from your personal experience who got to play on senior varsity team as a freshman.
1: You get some social clout. Yeah,
0: you do. Right. When you get to hang out with the high schoolers, you get some clout. Mm hmm. So he is stepping into this new persona, really discovering himself. And he realizes that he needs a stage name and because Voju <laughs> Valentino, Liberace just doesn't uh, quite have that, like, you know, name in lights quality that he was looking for. He wanted something that was a little snappier. And so, of course, he adopts the stage name, Walter Buster Keys. <laughs>
1: I was going to ask what he added to Walter. <laughs> Buster Keys. <gasps> oh, man, that's too much. Spell, is it spelled like like Buster Keys or Bust Her Keys?
0: Buster as in Bluth Keys, one word. <laughs> okay.
1: Buster as in Bluth Keys, one word. It's all together. It's actually that. That's the full... Buster keys is the shortened version. It's the Buster nickname, Keys for short. Exactly. Buster, yeah. Okay. Got it.
0: Yes. So as he's playing these high school dances, <laughs> you just can't get it for Buster Keys, can you?
1: <laughs> this is very funny. I love wordplay. It's very it's quite quite the charming thing for a 14 year old to be like, what's the like most badass name I could give myself? Buster Keys. Yes. There's also a third spelling, which is bust turkeys. But you know that one <laughs> we only bring out Best turkeys <laughs> for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Honest to God, I
0: so this part is so endearing to me. I'm going to tell you something about myself no. that I have Please never told you before. I don't want
1: to know. Not li- not like this. <laughs>
0: Not like yes, you're gonna find out here. When I was when I was a uh, similarly 14 year old magician who was potentially I'm gonna admit not very popular <laughs> with my peers, um, I I was doing magic in the talent shows and stuff, right? I know and, this part. Yeah. Uh, again, surprisingly, like that was like that gave me some social clout, right? Like it was actually for some reason it was actually kind of people love magic love
1: magic, hate magicians. It's a real, it's a real catch 22. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but I was, when I was getting ready to do my first talent show, I was like, I think I need a stage <laughs> <No>. name. <laughs> I was trying to brainstorm stuff. And, and the best thing i come up with, like the coolest stage i come up with was Michael Vonay. <laughs> no, <I> <gasps> and then here's the thing what? I went to go and do, I was like, I'm going to go put this on the talent show form. And then I showed up and there, and they just wrote my name on the form. <laughs> they were like, "Oh, it's Elliot." And I was like, "Okay, fuck, well, whatever." And then I didn't. But they saved me. They saved me How from you that spell embarrassment.
1: Vone, like V O N E.
0: Yes, yeah, that was that's what I was thinking. Yeah, honestly, don't know oh, if I've ever told this to anyone before. Is that like a real name? Are you just? I have no idea. It just sounded. It sounded like the most sophisticated thing I could think of. Okay, as someone
1: who can speak French poorly, but enough. I don't think that's a word. Let me look it up real fast. I don't want to make a fool of myself for the, you know, 600 people who are going to listen to this. It's not a word. It's not a word. That's great. I'm glad
0: I didn't accidentally call myself. (laughs) Buster keys in French. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. The equivalent. I get, I get the impulse is what I'm trying to say. So sure. During the day, little Bobby Buster Keys days were all about classical studies and recitals and wait, competitions. Wait, Bobby Buster Keys? Because you said Walter Buster Keys. I just Buster made that Keys. up. Oh, okay. I know. I thought Bobby was funnier. It is but Yeah, he, he went by Walter Buster Keys. Okay. But little Bobby Buster Keys uh, was doing these classical pieces during the day and practicing. And then at night, the dances slowly started to evolve into like ragtime and honky-tonk music. And then he started playing at like Milwaukee roadhouses and bars, mm. uh, which of course like, in you know... The depression, you know, that teenager coming into the bar, yeah, go for it. You want to be a <laughs> sure. kid? Whatever. You know, they don't, they don't give a shit. But his parents, who were classical music purists, he knew they wouldn't approve. Okay. So he he hid this as it started to evolve into like c and c places to play. He did not tell them. And instead, he told his parents that him and his band were playing church socials yes and they were very happy with that until they found out what he was really doing and they were livid it turns out there was a men's fraternal organization like a you know like shriners or something their party got out of hand there was a police raid and he got arrested in the same group of uh, entertainers that included uh like they were playing stag films which is just like Porn, porn. Right. And yeah. strip and they had strippers there. And so the police just arrested all of the entertainers, including him. And so his parents came to pick up little buster keys from prison <laughs> in the same like holding cell as the porn guy <laughs> and the strippers. And they were super pissed. And then they're like, you may never do this again. And he's like, I made five dollars. And I'm like, OK, just okay, fine, go for it, yeah. keep going, because it's a an depression, and honestly, right. we, want to, we don't want to starve. By the time he's 16, like, I'm not sure if his father actually lost his job in the factory, but Liberace was the family's main breadwinner. Sure. So he, he has taken over, and for better or worse, his parents are going to live with his life as an entertainer.
1: Mm.
0: By 42, 44, he's in his 20s, and he's moving away from classical performances, kind of. Altogether, and instead doing what he called pop with a bit of classics. So, like, y- you see some orchestras do like pops concerts, but what he's doing instead is, as he called it, like classical music with the boring parts left out. Like, yeah. he would go and like take some interesting part of some classical piece, and then it's uh, the
1: remix, and then just
0: <laughs> one example, he would take like a twenty-minute list piece and like compress it down and just like play the three minutes that was most interesting. Okay, and people. Loved it. Like, they were like, yeah, good. This is, like, the interesting stuff. And his dad was just fucking livid. His dad, who was, like, trying to get his kids to be, you know, classical, respected musicians, instead has his kid playing, like, butchered versions next to porn films. And (laughs) Liberace does really well with this. He tries moving out to New York City for a while. It doesn't go great, but he can kind of tour, and he finds, like, he's got a, a... uh, audience that really connects with him that's more, um, a small town, right? Like in the big cities, he doesn't get the respect because people usually know the original pieces more Got they I've like, been to orchestras, but people who haven't heard the originals, if this is like their first exposure, they don't have anything to compare to. And they just like, like what they're hearing. And this is the era of like big band music. Exactly right, and there's a lot of live entertainment. Radio's getting big, but it's also still like very live music-driven entertainment industry. And so by 45, 1945, he'd really gone from being, you know, a musical prodigy on the classical music circuit and winning those competitions to really just being like a celebrity entertainer that toured around the country mm. and, you know, had pop sensibilities and like this real flair for showmanship. Part of his Whole performance was that he would play these pieces, but in between, he wouldn't, he would like talk to the audience, tell jokes. He would do mm-hmm. things like pull people up and like give them like an impromptu piano lesson and then play something next to them. And people really loved it, right? It, it was like really campy and it, it wasn't like your purest stuff, but it was something that like people really enjoyed. He said, I was happy to play classical music, but the people I played classical music for were really just a handful of musical purist types before. I really wanted to just please the man on the street, mm. which phrasing. But also, he really wanted to be the everyman's entertainer. In '52, he gets his first show on local television. Okay, he does a little 15-minute performance for a Los Angeles local spot. It's not very long, but it's a smash hit. It gets the highest ratings of any local show they'd ever done wow and this immediately makes him realize that he doesn't really have a future in radio or recorded music like part of his appeal is the visuals it's like he started to wear this more flamboyant showy clothing sure. he started to like you know get this he, even He's a character when he did these yeah, he's a character. When he did these shows on TV, he would still do things like his brother would be the band leader mm. and he would like have little banter, kind of like, you know, a Conan and, and sidekick type thing, right? Or like, you know, he, he would do those bits. His mother would always like be sitting in the front row of the audience. Just and praying.
1: Like, She's just there like praying the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but but he would like, he would like
0: say how much he loved her and praised her and like he would bring her up on stage and like serenade. She would Like a a a comfy chair on the stage, and he like sing songs directly to her. Don't like that. Don't like that part. Yeah, and he would like talk effusively about like how you know much love he had for his mother. It turns out he actually like couldn't stand her. Like he felt she was oppressive in his life. Yeah, and when she ultimately passed, it he was like, "Oh, I'm finally free." Is his quote. Sure. Um, But his bit that like he was this family values guy that like like you know it just little old ladies loved this shit. They just. Free based. I mean, it was yeah, It's amazing. harder
1: to sell like got my start at porn parties and I'm a homosexual in the 50s. Yes. Yes. And you got to be creepy with your mom. That's what sells. That's what sells in the 50, 50s. That's what sells. Yes.
0: He sees these ratings and he tries to turn it into a broadcast show, but it, it doesn't really work the same way. Like he can't quite get the The distribution he's looking for. So instead, his producer and him work out this idea where he goes and he performs in front of a live audience, and then they syndicate it. Right. So if they sell this to local stations, then he doesn't have to like go and book you know one of the big three broadcast networks. Sure. He can perform at this local place and then still get the residuals from this. Right. So. As soon as it becomes uh, available for syndication and they hear about what the LA ratings are, it starts spreading like wildfire, right? His big personality, all of these things, like it doesn't just resonate with the LA audience, it becomes this phenomenon. Sure. So as soon as they start syndicating this thing... He goes from a kind of touring performer who would perform for a few people at a time to literally somebody who gets 30 million viewers a week. Wow! This at some at one point in his career is bigger than I Love Lucy, which Whoa. if you yeah. like follow, I Love Lucy was a phenomenon and he like beats I Love Lucy in the ratings. He gets like 10,000 pieces of fan mail every week. Whoa. Eventually he gets distribution on British TV and uh, it's actually the first place where Elton John said that he saw a performer that he could relate to. Yeah,
1: representation matters.
0: It really does. Elton John was like, I want to do this. So if you think about Elton John's like, you know, glittery stuff and and performance style, a, a lot of that is directly inspired by this formative experience of seeing Liberace syndicated on British television as a child. Very clearly as you can imagine with like with more eyes on you comes more scrutiny. And the first thing that happens is just like kind of his experiences in the big cities. um, Everybody who's a media critic fucking hates him. They just savage him. Yeah. Like uh, Howard Taubman of the New York times described Liberace as quote, not much more than a parlor pianist who ought to be kept in someone else's parlor. And the, reviews really hurt him personally at the time he was saying like it, it took him to a dark place, but he knew that he was popular. And so in his like very off the cuff style, he worked it into his act. In fact, he writes a joke or is credit with writing a joke. There's no other record that we can find before this, uh, that still makes it into the popular consciousness. Uh, he quipped to an audience on his second night of a sold out San Francisco performance. That was like, as a result of his show, Mm -hmm. right? When these reviews come out, he says, honestly, I felt so terrible when I read those reviews yesterday that I cried all the way to the bank.
1: Do you hear that? Not shit to a boss. Remember that bad review you left us about Reagan? (laughs) We are crying all the way to the bank. So suck it.
0: (laughs) To to the bank. And by the bank, we mean the Apple podcast (laughs) distribution feed. We are crying all the way to our next podcast where we're going to put ourselves out there again and hope people are nicer. (gasps) In addition to the kind of savaging of his musical performance, where he like butchers these classical pieces and, you know, sings creepy songs to his mom, he gets a lot more scrutiny on his perceived sexuality.
1: um, (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I bet he does.
0: You can imagine, right? So he is still internally wracked with guilt Mm -hmm. and terrified at the consequences of his family potentially discovering that he's gay. As he becomes more popular, he is trying to figure out like what to do with this. And he turns to his Catholic faith in hopes of praying the gateway at this point. It's not going to help. Um, no. Briefly, even after he'd become popular as an entertainer, he considered the priesthood uh, and then decided he wouldn't have quite a big enough audience. Um, but <laughs> sure. it didn't stop him from still remaining extremely politically, and religiously conservative for his entire life. So he would, as he started to get scrutiny on him, uh, he would publicly vehemently condemn, quote unquote, the gay lifestyle and just had this like fierce shield of denial and secrecy around everything related to his personal life. He not only denied being gay in the press directly, he... Dated, quote unquote, a lot of women, uh, very publicly, to kind of have a plausible beard during this time. There are newspaper articles that have pictures of him with headlines like "Liberace still single, available." Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> no woman can tie him down. Yeah, no shit, she can't.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> there was there was a line in one of these articles that said. um... If Mabel, just meaning like, you know, your mom at the dinner table. Yeah, yeah, the every woman. If Mabel has that dreamy look on instead of supper, it's because America's number one heartthrob is here. Oh, no. Yes, like (laughs) really just like playing it up. As you can imagine, this strategy was not entirely (laughs) successful. If you are saying you're super straight and then going on stage, with your candelabra and sequin jacket to play songs to your mother, there are some people who still had suspicions that he might actually be gay. See, and that's, so,
1: that right there, though, is pretty toxic masculinity, right? Like, if you you can be straight and do those things. It's, it's creepy either way, straight or gay, to sing songs yes. to your mom on stage. But you can wear sequins. You can have a c- candelabra, and especially in 2022. Do it. Please. I wish more straight men would do it. What a treat. But I imagine in the 50s and 60s, you know, he's not quite... He's, he's, he's too clean. He's not dirty. Yeah, he, he's too clean. So
0: he starts to really ramp this up. He tries to find higher and higher profile women to date. So he ends up dating uh, Judy Garland for a while, Mae West, which I, I don't remember. That's a double beard situation with Mae West. Uh, it, it could be. He... He is doing his damnedest to try and cover these rumors up, and it doesn't work. So in 1955, uh, TV World played on this with one of their headlines, uh, which read, Those Liberace whispers, true or false?
1: It's also not cool for a magazine to try and out somebody. Here's the other thing I just want to emphasize. We're making jokes about this. People don't owe anyone coming out of the closet, right? Or like terrible phrasing and outdated to say coming out of the closet, but you don't owe being out to anybody and certainly nobody's job to out you. It's dangerous and horrific. And I imagine he was seriously under a ton of like pressure and fear, um, but yeah, he's not like doing himself any favors. No, exactly. Right. Like he, he is one of the things that's
0: at the core of this is that he was living this very visible public tension, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. He wants to be in the public eye and he wants to be like, very expressive and true to his creative voice, which is, like, very flamboyant. Yeah. And also, he has this internal guilt. Yep. And on top of that, he has this external sense that, like, he's not going to be able to make... His money, if he's not popular with this very conservative older woman crowd, yeah like when he does his public shows, his crowd. I think Madison Square Garden, which he sold out once, was like thirteen thousand women and three thousand men. Right, like he knows that this is a direct threat to his livelihood. His residuals, he's making like seven thousand dollars a week just at the start, uh, which in today's money, which is like seventy-five grand a week, holy off shit, off these residuals on top of whatever live performances he's doing. Right. So when these headlines come out, yes, it is gross that people were so fixated in trying to out him. Absolutely. And it's also very representative of the fact that he is very intentionally living a lie halfway. Right? Sure. Like he's living sure. a lie and not trying to like butch it up, not trying to be masculine in ways that are performative. He is trying to be himself and this putting himself in the public eye with these contradictions like keeps bringing attention to those lies that he's telling.
1: I imagine even more so than just like the threat to livelihood, it's the threat to like the thing he likes most, right? So, you know, I was telling you, I was reading that book, Sparked, right? Like what's your, what sparks your life? Like what brings you joy and especially as it pertains to like work and the things you put out into the world, right? It sounds like he's an ultimate performer where the threat of not being able to perform is almost worse than like losing money
0: yeah yeah it's true right like there is this um life that's been made available to him where he could save his money his family during the depression Mm -hmm. and then like get notoriety and acceptance right after being teased as a kid like he's celebrated and people love him and all of that validation yeah that is validation of like who he really wants to be comes at the price that he like has this threshold that he can't cross, and it has to be like this is very, not even don't ask, don't tell, because people are asking and he's lying, right? (laughs) Like, it has to be this, like, denial. So So the language starts escalating. There's lines in a magazine article around this time that Says, quote, he loves to deck himself out in manly attire, such as white fur coats and sequined dinner jackets. Mm -hmm. The wave of his Marcel blocks would bring titters of admiration from Antony of Paris or Antoine of Paris. Uh, And when one of his lady fans squeals at him in delight, Liberace can squeal right back at her in the same register. That's pretty catty. uh,
1: Unnecessary. This
0: kind of comes to the first big culmination when this gossip mag called Confidential puts out a cover story. Mm -hmm. And Confidential was kind of the most feared gossip magazine. The uh, founder knew that the one big defense that always works in court against a libel Mm -hmm. is if the thing you said is true. And so, the gossip mag confidential was very careful to make sure that not only did they have a ton of private investigators that got photographic evidence about whatever they were going to run, but they also made sure that whatever they published, they had to have more details about that person that were more damning than whatever they published. Sure. And so, the implicit threat here is that we are only publishing stuff that we know is true, Yeah. and if you take us to court... All the rest of this shit's going to come out, right? Like you may mm. think this is bad, but like we have more on you than what we're writing, and usually that was effective at keeping people from suing them. Sure, but when they run the headline, "Why Liberace's Theme Song Should Be Mad About the Boy," Liberace like can't take it. The writer alleged that the quote Candelabra Kid had pursued a handsome press agent at three different hotels. The next thing the publicity man knew, he was right back at it again with Liberace sitting on his lap. Uh, a referee certainly would have penalized the panting pianist for illegal holds. Um, it was just all outrageous and being like, this dude is queer sure. over and over and over again. Gross. Again, most of it was likely true, right? Like they did their homework. Liberace knows that With a circulation of like 4.6 million people, he can't ignore this. Uh, It was bigger than Time Magazine at that point. So Liberace decides to sue. July 1957, he decides to sue. He sues the magazine for $25 million.
1: Holy smokes.
0: Which in today's dollars is $235
1: million. Which, as you can imagine, is a lot of money. Listen, if any of you motherfuckers out me, I will be suing you for $235 million.
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, his, his goal here is he knows he don't have that much money. He's just trying to, like, bankrupt them and, and bring them down. Out yeah. of, it's like the, um, Hulk Hogan had this weird... Uh, the sex tape. Hulk Hogan had this sex tape where his friend was fucking his wife and... Well, he was Gotham fucking his friend's it. wife. Yes. Um, that's oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And anyway, so Peter Thiel, who I think also been added by them, like bankrolled this big lawsuit to try to essentially sure. bankrupt them. It worked, it right? Worked, yeah. Anyway, it's just, it's just, it's the same kind of thing, right? He brings this lawsuit, and it just so happened at the same time uh, the Attorney General, I think of California, uh, Pat Brown, was kind of on a political campaign to like get points with conservative people. Mm-hmm. And so he was deciding to sue them for distributing obscene material, conspiracy to commit libel, and also, interestingly, conspiracy to distribute material on abortion and male potency. Ooh. Um, yeah, they had, they had published an expose on an abortion pill and a virility drug. And he was like, can't be telling people how uh, abortion happens. Nope, <laughs> nope, nope. That's, that's going to get you Put out
1: of business. And some bad news for him. Abortions have always happened. They'll figure it out. Yeah,
0: this. It was a six-week big show trial by the attorney general. Oh my goodness. Um, they called it the trial of 100 stars because like all of the libel charges like had all these big A-list celebrities coming to the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, six weeks, people just ate it up. They like read the coverage of the trial. And basically, even though it was a huge spectacle, all of this stuff was true. It wasn't actually libel and they could, they could show it. Yeah. So, there was a mistrial, right? They couldn't actually agree on a verdict. It sounds like a win for the magazine, but like, there's these massive legal costs course, in defending from of course, this. Yeah. And so then when Liberace comes in and like says, I'm going to sue you for $235 million, they just like, he can't afford to keep fighting this, this stuff. Anyway, so the magazine settled with the state by paying a small fine and agreed to change the magazine away from Hollywood gossip. Like that was part of this settlement.
1: It's like OnlyFans, like taking down porn. What's the? It's the whole business model. It's the whole fucking point, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do?
0: But as so, as part of this, right? Like, rather than go to trial again, he just like would rather settle. And in the same way, when Liberace's case comes up, uh, and there's multiple other lawsuits too, they just settle with Liberace for like forty grand, which is about like three hundred thousand dollars today. Okay. And so Liberace was like. I'll take it. It's, it's a public victory. Like, they, they settled with me. They paid me. And so I've defended my name, and I've finally dispelled these rumors about myself. Sure. Uh, which he had not. Because it turns out, it's like, uh, as soon as you do that with one magazine, there's other magazines. Yeah. And it keeps on going. So yeah. 59, Daily Mirror published an article that said he was, quote, a deadly, winking, sniggering, snuggling, chromium-plated, scented... Scent-impregnated, luminous, quivering, giggling, fruit-flavored, mincing, Mm -mm. ice-covered heap of mother love.
1: That got... Somebody wrote that and then an editor said, yes, publish. I like it. All of that makes sense to me. That's horrible. That's the worst headline or like snippet. It's terrible. That's horrible writing. What are you doing?
0: It's so bad. I mean, like, I feel like there's like a... Somebody's sitting there and they're like, okay, uh... Libracci was gay, and they're just like, no, 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 no. Go get the 1950s book of offensive uh, <laughs> right. thesaurus, and like he pulls it up, and he's like, okay, just put all those words in. Yeah. Like you can't quite say gay; you can just say anything else. <laughs> right. And again, it's gross, yeah. uh, but yeah. it keeps happening. So Libracci goes and sues them, and they're like, dude, this is stupid. We can prove this. And anyway, they they settle for eight thousand dollars this time, which is Yikes. you know
1: Still. much less. Yeah.
0: Like. Yeah, whack a mole with all of these uh, lawsuits. Again, just to point out, all of them were both gross and true. Sure. And so he's in this like unwinnable position. Yeah. Of trying to pretend and make it go away for his fans, and 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 at the time, again, like with the type of like social conformity, like oppressive, like heteronormative heteronormativity that's like in the culture. That's really all it takes for people, right? They just need like a thin veil. Like, no, sure. I I find it so hard to believe that like any straight women were looking at this man and being like, oh yeah, that hunk, right? Like but, threw,
1: they threw like their bras and underwear on stage for Liberace. They were thinking that.
0: I mean, I guess so. But like, just imagine the cognitive dissonance there, right? Sure. Like all, sure. all it takes, you could have all of his performances and just be like, nope, he, he said it's not true. (laughs) And, and they're just like, yep. Okay. Yeah. It's fine.
1: Just in case anybody skipped around in the episode, I just want to reiterate the gross part is a magazine outing him. The true part is him being gay. Yes, yes, yes. Because you're like, this is both gross and true. And I just wanted to clarify that the gay part was not the gross part. The outing outing part. The outing and the
0: lawsuits are gross. And they're also true, which means that they're not actually liable. So he's like taking people to court for things that are not illegal technically, but are just unsavory and unpleasant. Like, yeah. He is continuing to grow his stardom, try to fight these lawsuits. He does some shows in Vegas. He's He's... Still like an incredibly popular star Mm -hmm. and making a ton of money. So as he's doing these performances, um, of course, the costumes and the pageantry are a big part of his appeal. Sure. Unfortunately, at one point, his costumes almost kill him.
1: All of them at once?
0: Well, one of them in particular almost kills him. (laughs) Okay, what? But, (gasps) But he survives because Kennedy is assassinated.
1: At the same time?
0: Uh, in, in almost at the same time. What? Yes. So the, the, okay. So the way this works is he was on tour in Pittsburgh Okay. and right. He's getting ready for like these multiple costume changes. Um, but then he noticed that some of his clothes had gotten dirty Ew. and no dice he could not, could not go out on stage in anything less than a perfect uh, outfit. Yeah, of course. So unfortunately he goes, to, he wants to get dry clean, but there's a blizzard Hmm. He's trying to figure out what to do. His costumer is out on errands, coming back slowly because he can't get through the blizzard. And the hotel staff is like, I'm sorry, we, we can't get these dry cleaned by the time the show starts. So uh, Liberace decides that he is going to go and purchase a gallon of dry cleaning fluid.
1: hmm where and he do, he, he
0: he does. I don't know where he gets it. He goes to like a he somehow gets uh, his hands on a full gallon of this. What is this chemical called? It's super tetrachloride or something? Yeah, yeah, tetrachloride. And he decides he's going to do this himself. Which, if you don't know, dry cleaning is not actually dry. It's just it's just no water. It's these nasty chemicals that don't mess up these fabrics. Anyway, he decides he's going to do this in the tub. Of his hotel room, uh, which is totally unventilated. I was
1: going to say, with the door closed, probably right.
0: Yeah, so because he doesn't want this nasty smell getting into the rest of the room. Sure. Turns out he's also essentially created this little tiny, you know, gas Gash chamber. chamber from himself. Yes. Um, so he starts. He starts to do this, and immediately starts to feel ill. Um, but he's so committed. He opens the bathroom door. Well, no, he opens the bathroom door and he goes to lay down for a nap on the bed. But now he has a slightly larger guest chamber, but it's still uh, it's It'll basically get there. like
1: that's how gas works. It's It'll killing get there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, apparently, though, the TV's on. They bust in with this announcement about uh kennedy's assassination and that like jolts him awake and he's like what the fuck is a the president get killed just enough where he like stumbles and falls down which then his manager hears and comes in and just smells is like oh shit gets him out of there rush him to the hospital he is diagnosed with renal failure and they basically say we're sorry but uh you're gonna you're die. you're gonna
1: die for sure for sure
0: there's like nothing we can do and they tell him to put his house in order uh miraculously like with enough ivs and time like they get the chemicals out of the system and he actually survives. Wow. But this near-death experience really changes him. Started from that point on, he'd amassed all this money, but he hadn't really spent a lot of it. Okay. Like he still had a very like um humble, poverty-informed mindset, right? Like he was very scarcity. Uh, scarcity mindset, thank you. And at this point he's like life is short he just starts spending his money Whoa. in incredibly lavish ways on both himself and the people around him okay when from this point forward whenever like people would come and like do like deliver things to his house um he would like just tip people He just bring out stacks of hundred dollar bills and like hand them out to everybody who's like you know delivering stuff i like that that's good redistribute yeah. that yeah that's great. It also means he does things like in his home he installs a gigantic piano-shaped jewel encrusted swimming pool. Oh, like okay. he, so yeah, he he, tone it down he, he like cranks <laughs> he cranks up the generosity and also cranks up like everything <gasps> the about his extravagant, yeah, yes that that made him famous. He tries to get into movies uh, for a bit after this.
1: He saw Elvis do it. Elvis did it. Yeah. D-
0: yes, him and Elvis got along. Performed a couple times, uh, but. He could not make the same switch to the big screen. Like movies are much more artificial, right? It's not like the jokey, like oh, we're watching a live variety show thing, right? His his act doesn't translate to movies. So after it's just a gigantic flop, Mm. he he's like, I did my part for the movies and I stopped making them, Uh, and instead he goes and has his residency in Vegas. This is where his wealth just like gets insane. So he is making three hundred thousand dollars a week in in. Today's money, that's one and a half million dollars a week. Wow. Right? Like, he is just raking in cash. And through the 70s, he is this incredibly flamboyant and incredibly rich performer who is now, like, you know, getting marble, palatial estate and, like buying ridiculous cars his his act involves him like driving on stage in an actual rolls royce oh like not good for the fumes definitely didn't learn about ventilation (laughs) uh because like that's not a great idea but like that's the level of ostentatious spending that he brings to these performances yikes into the 80s in the early 80s um he meets Uh, Scott Thorson. So he's taking one of his many dogs to the vet Mm -hmm. and, um, he, he's trying to like get advice about how to take care of this dog. This vet tech is 16 years old. Okay. And Um, he's at this point, so it's the 80s. So he's 60. He's 60 years old. Yeah. This vet tech is 16. Yep. And he just kind of starts apparently spilling his guts, talking about how lonely and alone he is and feels this connection with this 16 year old. And this 16-year-old is also gay and Liberace is like, I really just, I, I need a friend. You would be great. I want you in my life. Will you come work for me as a dancer and assistant and chauffeur and like just like my everything person? And the 16-year-old like, yeah, I'd rather do that than be a vet tech. <laughs> um, but it immediately turns to like a sexual relationship. Sure. Uh, And so there's just this very gross element. Like this is very clearly statutory rape. Yeah. Um, And this is a child, but as a child who is like groomed and given money and gifts, like all of this, like
1: the power dynamic there. Yeah. If here's, here's a good life lesson. If you ever find yourself being attracted to a 16 year old and you are neither. 14, 15, 16, or 17, stop. Reconsider your life choices. Like, yeah. That's it. That's the age range you get to be attracted to 16-year-olds. After that, no, you're done. It's no. over. And and there's people right who are,
0: who speculate that one of the reasons that this power dynamic was like was something that um Liberace was wanted to exploit was because to he was able to have so much control over sure. Thorson. And as a result, like he could make sure that it was there secret. was no threat, yeah, of it not being secret anymore. Yeah. right.
1: Additionally, he gets to through this child relive the or like live the adolescence that he wanted for himself, not having sex with a six year old, but just being an out gay person or like having sexual relationships with men, right? So like, exactly. it grows on every level.
0: Yeah, to this point, it, you know, there's speculation that like Liberace may have had one or two flings, but really like he was very constrained. Mm-hmm. Now that he's got a million and a half dollars a week in today's money coming in and he's got this estate, now he can literally. He finds a a teenager, right? A child goes and controls. He he hires him and he's in his entire livelihood. He lives there with him. And then things like this power dynamic just starts to get grosser and grosser and weirder.
1: Yeah, of course it does.
0: As in, this is a five-year "quote unquote" relationship, right? Where he's like groomed and and like recruited, and he is working the show. He becomes the driver of the de Royce every night that like drives Liberace onto stage. But also, Liberace is like, "Oh, I, you know, I I love you, but you, I w- I would love to like um just help help your face a little bit." Mm-hmm. Liberace pays for and convinces Scott Thorson to start getting plastic surgery yeah he does i do actually know this uh, and he gets him to get plastic surgery to look more like liberace yeah he does so he like makes him get cheek implants and a chin implant oh. and everything so that his face looks like liberace's face does no, granted liberace has a ton of plastic surgery too yes, yes, right yes but like they get mat. like he, he makes this like now like you know, 17 year old, like start to physically change his body so that Liberace can come closer to the experience of uh, having sex with his teenage self. Yeah. 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 Right. Which is just like super fucking gross. On top of this 16, 17 year old, obviously like there's no such thing as like a Gay marriage or anything like that, but even if there was, like, he's like not really an adult. So Liberace's <laughs> not like, hey, really an adult. No,
1: not an adult. This is not. A, yeah, not sorry. Really an adult. When I
0: say not really, what I mean is like I don't know if, what the age of like marriage. Sometimes age of marriage, you can get married sure. at seventeen or something. Sure. But like, but like in in the absence of that, now that Liberace's got this little toy version of a teenager, that's like his baby self.
1: No, oh, don't say it like that.
0: Liberace's like, I want you in my life forever. I'm going to adopt you.
1: Oh, no. And so he
0: tries to adopt Scott Thorson. So even though this adoption actually wasn't ultimately successful, I think it, it, it just like adds this additional layer of like how much control Liberace was like trying to assert over this kid's life.
1: Yeah. So side note, independent of Liberace, we're talking about two consenting adults here. The act of... Well,
0: eventually, no, 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 eventually
1: no. he turns 18. Well, I'm talking totally separate from this. To, okay, so totally, totally separate, separate from
0: Labrachi's story. I
1: just want to talk about the the practice of adult adoption when gay marriage yes. wasn't legal. Yes. But people who had been together for decades needed like their partner's health insurance or the benefits of the state. Ad- adult adoption in gay relationships was something that happened throughout the like 80s and 90s. And then when gay marriage became legal... Mm-hmm. Then they would have to like go through the extravagant process of emancipating themselves from their adult adoption yes. so then they could marry. <laughs> like yes. that was a thing that happened to multiple um gay couples.
0: Yes. But that's consenting adults. Guys- Exactly. If you have two consenting adults who, like, are in this untenable situation in the 50s and 60s of, like, wanting to, like, have a life together and and it just so turns out that, like, adoption is the only legal mechanism to, like, let you live your life I, I can't imagine being in that position like I yes there's there's I don't fault anybody for like having to pursue that the, the part about this is weird is that adoption in this case could happen and like it's still in the age range where one of them is legally a child yeah. and one of them is legally an adult and they're fucking and he's trying to adopt him to make sure that he doesn't tell anyone they're fucking and so that he never escapes like that's the part of this dynamic that is like so fucked up after he's already made this kid get plus <laughs> surgery to look more like himself like there's <laughs> just layers here that like in general I think you could probably describe this as an unhealthy
1: relationship yeah yeah probably <laughs> um, uh,
0: eventually his chauffeur slash bodyguard slash dancer uh, has son. enough of this son n- not never actually his son but attempted son um, <laughs> Has enough of this and decides to leave. But as you can imagine, right? If they're if he was aspiring, now he's an adult, right? And mm-hmm. if they were aspiring to and, and thinking of their relationship during that time as uh, essentially a marriage, um, he, when he leaves, he now loses all. Like he, he lost their all of his jobs, yeah. His lifestyle, everything. The cocaine and doesn't. So, doesn't Liberace also get him addicted to cocaine? Oh, yeah, tons of. Sorry, I forgot about all the drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's cocaine and there's also like, um, uh, it's not opiates or something. Like, there's a lot of drugs going on here as well. Mm -hmm. When he leaves, he files what many people think is the first uh, same-sex palimony case ever in U.S. history. Okay. So palimony being this informal word for like alimony that you're filing for, for someone who you are not legally married to. Technically now, like common law marriages, this can happen. It happens in heterosexual couples before this, but like, this is one of the first same sex cases that was filed. I'll actually say that I read a lot of places that this was the very first one. And then I started doing some digging and it seems like It isn't. It seems like people give this a lot of the headlines for the first same-sex palimony case. But the year before, there's a very public palimony case filed against Billie Jean King, the tennis icon. And
1: her partner. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, it was her secretary. So she was oh, married sure, at the time sure, to yeah, a man yeah, named yeah. Larry King, who is not that the Larry King, King, but a yeah. different Larry. Uh, but she's married to a different man named Larry King. And she has a secretary. And And her secretary files for palimony in 81. So mm. I do think that was like a, a year before, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but some places, a lot of places tend to mistakenly say, I think, that Liberace's case was the first one. I don't think it was. But anyway, it was still like super high profile. He sues for like $13 million, I believe. Um oh no, sorry, take it back. $113 million after he's fired. So $113 million is a lot of money because Liberace is making like 300 grand a week um, it's us. it's still a lot of money. It's okay. equal to a million a, a a week for us or a million and a half a week for us. But $113 million is like, a, like half of Liberace's estate, essentially, wow. as if he was a spouse. As you can imagine, this does not do a ton of favors for Liberace's public statements that he is straight. People are like, why is this man suing you? And he's like, oh, he's just... Um, And Liberace is like, I'm not gay. He's never been my lover. He's just a gay man that worked for me. And it gets dragged through the courts. Really nasty. Eventually, the case settles out of court a few years later. uh, Thorson receives $75,000 in cash, which again is like one night of performing for Liberace. He also gets three cars. Wow. And three dogs. Okay. You got to split up the dogs. When interviewed after, now Thorson is in and out of jail. Uh, for the rest of his life, Mm -hmm. gets mixed up in
1: a bunch of stuff. Did he get mixed up in a murder as well, potentially? So maybe. So the answer to that is maybe. I think he was buying cocaine. This is how I actually know about person. He was buying cocaine from a notorious drug dealer in Vegas or LA. And at the same time as he was doing this, this drug dealer's bodyguard, I don't know if that's the word we would use, was assaulting someone who later turns up dead. Um, mm. And so he's there at the beginning of this conflict that results in actually four murders. Four people end up dead.
0: Not the last of his legal troubles, sure. it turns out. Sure. Um, Thorson is actually still in prison. Right now? As of today. He's he's up for parole or like to be released, I think, in August of 2022. Okay. Uh, again, he was much younger. He's like in his 60s now. So Thorson ends up writing a book called Behind the Candle Opera, which ends up being a movie in uh, 2013 that stars Michael Douglas and Matt Damon. Matt Michael Douglas plays Liberace, Matt Damon plays Thorson. Okay. Um, so anyway, so Thorson has done interviews, even though he's in prison now. He's done interviews about this time. And one of the questions he got was like, why did you settle for $75,000 in cash. Like, Liberace was worth millions, hundreds, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars at that point. Right. Like, why did you walk away with that? And um, he said he settled because he knew something that nobody else would do. Uh, He knew that Liberace had become HIV positive and was close to dying. Oh, no. And uh, sadly, he he was correct. Um, Over the... Next couple years in 1985, like Liberace is still doing this like Vegas showman lifestyle. He's uh he was actually a guest timekeeper at WrestleMania no. in Vegas al- alongside Muhammad Ali for a while. And the Rockettes. By the time it gets to like 86, it's very clear that Liberace is not doing well. He had started to lose a lot of weight. They're like, how do we explain this? And so his public line was like, oh, it's um it's a watermelon diet. I'm just only eating watermelon. Is that
1: what that was? What The watermelon diet is like notorious. I did not realize it was actually, it's not a real diet. He was just like covering for the fact that he was HIV positive.
0: Yes. If you've heard the expression watermelon diet, yeah, it it was the cover story for being HIV positive and starting to be emaciated Ah. in a way that like he couldn't hide publicly anymore.
1: Why didn't he just retire? Was it just his contract? Like. He was just, like, contractually obligated to be there?
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, like, I think it was mostly because he really loved performing and he could still perform. Mm. Like, he got all of his validation publicly from this moment of, like, being there and, like, talking to the audience. And, like, that was what kept him going. Sure. Even though he got super rich, like, you get the sense from the way he's lived his life that even if, like, he was still stuck in, like, you know shady bar rooms like he would still do it yeah he would still be doing doing it it, right last year of his life he he continues to like um get get worse his health degrades um his last television appearance ever is christmas of 1986 he appears on oprah Mm. um it's early in the oprah show but you can go find this interview on youtube and um it's it's hard to watch for a number of reasons one like I've worked in a hospice for uh, people with AIDS and, like, there is a very, like, distinctive sort of emaciation that happens and, like, you can't hide it and, like, it's very visible. So, like, it's hard to see him when you know that he's, like, not in good health. Sure. But also, um, one of the things that's uncomfortable is, like, after all of these things, like, this very public lawsuit with his, like, long-term partner that he groomed and, you know, Mm -hmm. all of this stuff... He's like answering questions about like. Oprah asked him like, uh, how did you lose your virginity? And she's like, it's it's the 25 year anniversary of this. This is why I'm asking. It's the golden anniversary of losing and your virginity.
1: This- how would how would she know that?
0: I, I don't know. Or no, Golden would be 50 year anniversary. Anyway, I, I don't know, because it's just a weird thing. And he's talking about like, oh, there's this older woman who in her car would pick me up and drive me around. And I just love, you know, the ladies and oh, all this. And and, and like what? seeing this this man who's like at the end of like a really illustrious, sl- successful career, just like talking about like gross, gross stuff that's clearly a lie. But like also just like it's such a
1: violation
0: yeah, it's but again, I'm sure that question was there because like, yeah, I'm sure he discussed these questions. Yeah. And, yeah, his team was like, ask about how he lost his virginity. So we can talk about this lady that was like older cougar. And it's like, it's just so gross, right? Like there's very it, one of the things that feels like it's like th- the fact that he was forced through a combination of his like upbringing and beliefs and also the public, it's just like strips him of a lot, any dignity that you could like have at that stage in your life. Um, It it feels like it's, it feels very gross because at this point too, like in the eighties, like, yes, the AIDS crisis is like, going to begin to like spiral out of control and so there's still so much sigma but also like if at any point in his life he had the resources and the ability to like not give a fuck what other people thought he could have right theoretically like he could have even if he'd never been able to perform ever again he had enough money to like not need to
1: but but beyond that he had the opportunity to say like oh this person that you love this performer this 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 artist this person you love is gay you've loved yeah. my music for decades also this person who has all of this wealth and all of this access and all of this notoriety still got aids because it's not like a moral failing this is just a thing that happens like what a, a missed opportunity to push the conversation about homosexuality and the impending AIDS epidemic away from this is these huge stigmas and he didn't take it yeah.
0: And also, right, I, I want to reiterate what we said before, which is that it's not anybody's responsibility to come Again, out. Again, yes, right? it's not. And so, it's like,
1: not. You're right.
0: I, I think the thing that's hard to watch, though, is that like what we know is that because so few gay people had ever been in the position of just incredible privilege he had been in, yeah. right? If anybody basically had the resources to insulate themselves from whatever negative consequences it could have been, it was him. If anybody at this moment had an opportunity where they could have not just like survived, but like been totally okay doing that making that kind of a stand it would have been him and he he may not have owed it but what we also know is that the reason he didn't do that was not related to these external factors it was only related really deep down to like this deep self-loathing that like kept him living this lifestyle that he probably somewhere deep down like really really like Felt a ton of shame about, and so it's it's hard to watch as he like up till the very very end is just so clearly in denial to everyone around him about who he really is. That sucks. By January, after that Christmas, he entered Eisenhower Medical Center. He was suffering from pneumonia. A few days later, he got discharged back to his Palm Springs home. And on February 4th, 1987, uh, Liberace dies at the age of 67. Oof. Um, Short life. So despite two Emmys and his six gold albums and two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, whoa! it seems like he was an okay musician in terms of like his technique, mm-hmm. a real showman, but really somebody who fundamentally built this incredibly brilliant Business empire, Mm -hmm. this very carefully managed image by dazzling old ladies. (laughs) That's all it takes. Lying about nearly everything his life, his past, who he loved, how he spent his time. He was this incredibly rich statutory rapist who was controlling and uh, obsessed with making this man he groomed. Physically go under surgery to transform himself. His biggest product was himself, and it wasn't real. Mm. So, for all those reasons, I would say Liberace is not my hero.
1: Not my hero either. It's it's, um, for everybody involved. It's a deeply sad story. It's also like I don't want to excuse his predatory behavior by being like, "Oh, he was sad and full of shame." No, what a monster! But also. It's so sad that even someone with all of his means never got the opportunity to like love himself. We talk about the cleanup crews a lot, right? People yeah. to manage
0: his image. Like one of the biggest ironies here is that the reason that we know all these things and they are not like speculation is because um even after the end of his life, he had this PR machine that went into overdrive about how he died. And so they Took the step of trying to falsify his death certificate. Oops! They wanted to say that it was a heart attack, but uh, and they've rushed him to a cemetery, tried to bury him immediately. But the coroner's office was like, "Uh, "Seems like that's illegal. You can't (laughs) do that." And so they seized the body. They did an autopsy based on suspicions that he had a contagious disease. Yeah. Again, I'm not sure. Like there was, I'm not not sure what the justification is there.
1: I imagine it's a holdover from like the bubonic plague, where like you can't buried something that is potentially hazardous. Even It's just like misunderstanding of what HIV-AIDS was. But Yeah, I'm sure with all the misinformation around
0: it, yeah, it's probably related to that. Um, but even if it was driven by AIDS stigma and misunderstanding, like the fact that they ultimately do this autopsy, they do confirm that he didn't die, did indeed die of AIDS. Then the one person who'd been saying that he was his partner and also was HIV positive Mm. um, suddenly had a lot more credibility. And then like began to like the, the public facade began to unravel. Um, And so even though like he, he spent his life building these denials, like it was actually the denials themselves that caused the spectacle that like blew open his lies as soon as he died anyway. That being said, if our listeners are interested in more opportunities to watch our public facade crumble, Uh, where can they find us?
1: They can find us on social media at Your Heroes Pod or on our website at meetyourheroespodcast.com.
0: Yep, and please like, share, rate, review, spread the word, tell your friends. And until next week,
1: don't be a hero.
0: Don't be a hero.
1: Bye.